prayer. Oh Lord our God, we ask now that you would come to us, that you would bear witness with our spirits that we are the children of God, and that you would teach us of your word. We ask you to sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Oh Lord, please teach us and help us to conform our lives to the pattern of the life of Christ and indeed to repent of our sins and to mend our ways. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Back to Ephesians 5 and 6. As we've been here for a while, we come to a, the second pair of those three pairs that are found in this passage of the household code. I had my Bible opened up to the book of Ephesians, uh, Galatians rather, that's why it looked odd to me. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Well, (laughs) there it is. This passage doesn't get any easier for a pastor, although I have to admit that this one's probably a little easier than dealing with uh, wives' godly submission to their husbands. Uh, It's easier to say, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, than to say, you know, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord, just from my own human perspective. This is dealing, of course, with familial relations, life in the home. In case you haven't noticed, life in the home isn't always pleasant. Not going to ask for hands, but did anybody have a perfect week in the home? Now, if you live absolutely alone... There's maybe a possibility that you didn't argue with yourself. But I was a bachelor for many, many years. Didn't get married until I was almost 33. And I can honestly say it was a rare week when I had no problems. In my own home. Just with me, myself, and my lonesome. Something would go wrong. And if you're a bachelor for that long, some of you know this, you begin to talk to yourself. You even get answers at times. Because there's nobody else there to talk to. Now once we get married and have children, every now and again, sinfully, we long for those schoolboy days, those schoolgirl days when we had no problems, we thought, no responsibilities, certainly not like it is to have children. And then quickly we're reeled back to reality when we realize But to have a family is a great blessing. And the world desperately needs Christian families today. We have to realize that a Christian family, a flawed and sinful Christian family, but a family that seeks to follow in the ways of the Lord is a great armament, a great weapon 
in the hands of the Spirit of God to show the world its flaws. And again, if you haven't noticed, our world is deeply flawed. Our country is deeply flawed, and our country is in deep, deep trouble. And our country is primarily in deep, deep trouble. I think the main cause is because of the erosion of Christian truth and the erosion of the idea of the holiness of a Christian family. Remember, the family is the essential building block of a civilized society, and if the evil one can wreck that, then the foundation begins to crumble, and once the foundation crumbles, it's really just a matter of time before the roof caves in. If the family can be destroyed, then there is no need for a nuclear bomb. Because once the family is destroyed, the people are ruined. And in our world, filled with familial sins, we need to get back to God's ways. Now let me just dial that back for a moment. The family has always been in trouble, except for a very brief period of time in that place called the Garden of Eden. From the moment they were cast out of the garden, family troubles were right there on the doorstep. And our country, though it is in deep trouble now, has been in trouble many, many times in its history. Those of us who are fathers and mothers, and those of us who are fathers and elders, are nervous about the future. But you know what? The elders of this church were nervous about the future when the Civil War was going on. The elders of this church were nervous when World War I occurred, World War II occurred, Great Depression, Vietnam, all of these things. The things that we're going through are unique to us because for many of us, the last 40 or 50 years, most of our life has been a, a pretty nice ride. Haven't been any disastrous wars. Not of the level of the Civil War or World War II, where millions of people are perishing. But there has something changed. Because we don't have that essential Christian family to fall back on. Be very rare. During the war between the states, I'm sorry, I called it the Civil War a few moments ago. The war between the states, when I can honestly say seven out of ten persons probably had at least a rudimentary understanding of what the church was like. Nowadays, the church is pretty out of fashion, and a lot of people that you talk to really don't have even a rudimentary understanding of what goes on in a church, and they certainly don't have any understanding of what goes on in a Christian family because they've never experienced it. We have experienced it. And the first thing we need to learn is that that's a great blessing. I'll tell you right now, you need to stop complaining about your families. Even as a joke, we do that all the time. Stop joking negatively about your families. Now, I can assure you, you will fail in that regard in the next 72 hours, probably. But it's unnecessary, it's damaging, and it is sinful. 
As I said last week, funny things happen in families. That's okay. But the joke about the family, about the institution of the family, is is a grave error in our mental processes. It shows a fundamental weakening of how we think about things. Families are great blessings. Children are to be cherished in the Lord. And yes, kids, parents are to be obeyed. Be nice if you cherished us. But we'll take good old-fashioned obedience. Anytime, any day, it never goes out of fashion in the parental mind. Kids, you can never... That was going to come out wrong. I was going to say you can never be good enough. Um, how can I phrase that? You, you can't be nice enough. You can, never, you can never cease to... Ooh, got myself in trouble here. You can never outwear your parents' loving desire for you to obey them. Does that come out halfway okay? In God's eyes, none of us can be too obedient. That's what I should have said. You can never be too obedient. One simple word changes it all. There it is. There's the command. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For This is right. It's unusual, isn't it? It doesn't say love. It doesn't say cherish. It says obey. What does it mean to obey? Well, first let's talk about what a child is. Okay. A child in this context is someone who is under their parents' dominion. If you're a 32-year-old man, you're not under mommy and daddy's dominion anymore. You're not. And many of us have the roles reversed when our parents move in with us. And then more issues arrive. We have to understand that life within the context of a family is never going to be easy this side of heaven. It's not. Your life and my life is not the Brady Bunch. It's not the Cosby Show. It's not Father Knows Best. It's not Leave it to Beaver, even though it's a really funny show. Sometimes we often feel as if we're stuck in a rerun of Mr. Ed, that we're just talking to horses all day long. Horses that nag, and horses that kick, and horses that don't do what they're told. In case you don't know who Mr. Ed is, kids, that was a horse that talked. Horses don't really talk, though. They don't. They honestly don't. You're to obey your parents. What does the word obey mean? Well, do I really need to explain that one? This means very simply and bluntly that you do exactly what your parents say every single time unless they're telling you to sin. And those of you who are in this building right now, I know your parents. They are not going to tell you to sin. 
Therefore, that gets removed right off the table. When your parents tell you to do something, you must do it. Boy, last week, the husbands were the ones who just had their heads down. Today, I only really see maybe a collective three eyes of children looking at me. They're kind of looking at the wall. Some of them just have their heads down. Here's something you have to understand, children. Your parents at one time were children. They had to obey their parents all the time. And guess what? They sinned. There's not a single person in here who ever obeyed their parents every single time. Now, I know some of you are probably a little bit better at it than some of us, but we all sin and stumble in many ways. But children, you have to understand that this commandment is given for your benefit. Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, this does not mean that only if you have Christian parents, that word, that phrase in the Lord can be misinterpreted. Oh, I don't have Christian parents. I don't have to obey them. Well, very often, parents who are not Christians will tell their children to sin. And it's always very interesting when children get saved and the parents are not. That's always a joy when people get saved. But for a pastor, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. Because the parents and the children will begin to develop entirely different worldviews, yet their children are still, by God's decree, under their parents' dominion. We all complain about things. But it almost goes without saying that there are, literally as we speak, in, in the half hour that we've been assembled, there have been children in this world who have been horribly treated by their parents, abused by their parents, wounded permanently by their parents. And you know how I feel about those parents. You know how Christ feels about them too, don't you? What did Jesus say? He who offends any of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better... be better... They had a millstone tied around their neck and dropped into the sea. That's a bad way to go. It was expensive in the old covenants as well. Millstone was something, you know, that was a a big piece of machinery that you used to make your bread, maybe to sell bread. Dropped into the sea. With a concrete necktie, so to speak. That's how valuable you children are. You need to hear from me as your pastor. You are highly valued in God's eyes. And it may not always seem that way, but you are highly valued in the eyes of your parents. We have to come to grips with the fact that family strife and family anger and family distrust and disharmony are the main primary weapon that the devil uses to destroy us. That's the first thing that is on his menu. Because you see, if he can cause strife in the family, then that spills everywhere. 
A parent goes to work and they're, 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 they're stressed about their family life. It will spill over into their attitude in the workplace. If you have a stressful Saturday night when you come to church on Sunday morning, that stress will carry over. And it will probably carry over into Sunday morning as you're trying to get ready to come to worship. It happens to all of us. You parents, you need to understand very, very quickly that there isn't a single perfect parent on planet Earth. There certainly isn't a single perfect parent in this building right now. I know all of them. I'm one of them. The problems that you have in your family, they're not new. They're not unique. Everybody really has basically the same problems. But what happens is we get stuck somehow in that time in our lives when we think everybody is looking at us. I usually focus in on around seventh grade when you're in class and you think, everybody is looking at me. You know, when I was a kid, I had longer hair. I had more hair. And... Believe it or not, kids, you want to listen to this. I used a blow dryer on my hair. Everybody used a blow dryer in the 70s because they didn't have, you didn't, nobody slicked their hair back. It's stylish now, but nobody slicked their hair back except really old men, right? You used a blow dryer and you feathered that thing back. And I had this weird wave in my hair in the back. It would get to a certain length. I could never get this one part of my hair to fall evenly in the back. And I tried, so I tried every single hair product on planet Earth. I tried to curl it under. I tried to curl it all out, and it never went that way. And I would sit in class thinking, they're looking, they're, they're looking at the back of my head. Guess what? Nobody was looking at the back of my head. Because everybody else was wondering, you know what? My shoes aren't like everybody else's. Well, in Catholic school, everybody wore the same shoes, but they would, you would always be able to come up with something. My hair is out of place. You know, my dress isn't the same way. They're all looking at me. Guess what, kids? They're not. They're all thinking the exact same thing you are. They're all looking at me. So you need to get together and say, guess what? I wasn't looking at you, and I know you weren't looking at me, so who really cares? Now, parents, you need to do the same thing because you're thinking very often. You go back to seventh grade and think, oh, my, my, my kids are misbehaved. My kids aren't dressed properly. Don't worry about it because everybody, everybody in the house is thinking the same exact thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. And says, quotes Deuteronomy, honor your father and mother, which what? It's the first commandment with a promise. There's a promise attached to this one, kids. There's a promise. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now the question arises, well, that kid was a really good Christian kid, was a sinner, but obeyed his parents, and wow, his life was cut short at age 15. I guess God lied. No. Okay? What this is talking about is the general way things go. There will always be an exception to things. But this is a promise right from the law of God. And it's interesting that it's taken from the context of Israel being in the land. 
Well, earlier in the book of Ephesians, we're told that we're now members of the commonwealth of Israel, but we're not in the land. We're not in Canaan. Thankfully, it's a desert. It's a desert. Western Pennsylvania is nicer than the Holy Land. We have grass. We have water. It's a desert over there. But generally speaking, obedience to God leads to the blessing of God. It may not always seem that way, but I can promise you that disobedience to God never brings the blessing of God. It's never a good idea to disobey your parents, kids. Not because they're going to catch you. Not because they're going to punish you. Not because they're going to take away your Xbox or your PS4 or your GameCube or your iPod or your iPhone or all of the above. The reason why is because God has instituted this command. Honor your father and mother. But he gives us this promise that it may go well with you. You may live long on the earth. Children, you have to understand, even though you don't feel it or see it all the times, your parents love you deeply and dearly. I know all of your parents, they would die for you. And some days they feel as if they are dying a very long, slow death. But until you're a parent, you really can't grasp what a weight it is, what a responsibility it is, and that's something you children need to really understand. That your parents love you so much that they don't want anything bad to happen to you, and they know things are going to happen to you. When you hold that, that newborn in, in, in your hands, at least for me, it was if um, like an atom bomb had just gone off in my brain. Like everything, past, present, and future, had just fused right there. And I could see everything. I could see all of my faults. I could see all of my mistakes. I could see all of the dreams that we have. And all the failures that we have. And all the desires. And all the, all the glory. And we could see it all in one flash. It's a beautiful experience, but it's awfully terrifying. And your children need to understand that your parents love you so much they can see what's going on better than you just because they're older. They used to be 13, they used to be 5, they used to be 10, they used to be 17. Whatever you age you are now, your parents were that age at one time. And believe it or not, when you tell your parents, you know, things are different now, Mom. Things are not different now, Dad. Guess what? Your parents said the same thing to your, their, to your grandparents. We know what goes on inside your head. Whatever, old man. Oh, I got their attention there. We said the same thing. But in our day, we didn't say it out loud. You may not speak to your parents the way you speak to your friends. They're not your friends. They're friendly, but they're not your friends. They're not your buddies. They're your parents. You boys, you cannot talk to your father the way you do to your friends in a schoolyard. You can't. 
You may not. It's not allowed. It's a relationship that demands respect. Not because of who they are, but because of what God has said. But then it gets better. You fathers, do not provoke your children's wrath or exasperate your children. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So I guess this gives mom. Moms are off the hook here, huh? Nope. Paul is giving the command to the father because the father is head of the household, as we talked about the last week or two. Any command that is given to the father is de facto given to the mom as well. So mom, just because fathers are told directly not to provoke their children to wrath, this does not mean that you're allowed to. Mom, please listen. You are not allowed to provoke your children to wrath. You're not allowed to exasperate them. The wife's authority or the mother's authority is derivative. Just as the husband's authority is derivative. Just as Christ's authority was derivative when he took on human flesh. Kids, when your mother gives you a directive, it doesn't matter if your father is a thousand miles away. In fact, it doesn't even matter if your father has passed away. Your father's authority is still right there in the room. Now, when I was a kid, you might hear, you know, wait till your, wait till your father gets home. Wait till dad gets home. I'm going to tell him what you did. Unless you do what I say now, and then we'll keep it as a secret between us. Because when dad comes home, well, the judge is in town. Shouldn't be that way. Kids, when your mother gives you a directive, it's the same as if dad gave it. Now, this also calls for husband and wife harmony. Let me just say this as a slight aside. Wives, moms, it's really destructive when you countermand your husband's lawful directives. When you say things, and I'm sure none of you have ever done this. Don't don't worry about your father. (laughs) Just, Just keep your mouth shut and just do what I say and it will. You can't do that. That's the evil one trying to sneak in. And dad, you can't say the same thing. Just don't worry about your mother. Okay? Just ignore her for now. Okay? She'll be gone in 10 minutes and then I'll deal with this. Okay? You can't do that. Father and mother, husband and wife have got to be unified. You're one body. You're one person spiritually. But it's interesting that the command is given particularly to fathers here. Because... My experience has been as a father and as a son and as a pastor that fathers are a little bit more adept at exasperation than mothers are. Generally speaking, generally speaking, it doesn't take long for most men to really set their families on fire. Most of us could handle it within 30 seconds. We could go into a dinner and just disrupt things almost instantaneously just with our mere physical presence. It's not the way it's supposed to be, but generally speaking, that's the way it goes. I really should have videotaped these sermons looking outward at at yins. Because the looks on some of your faces is just just mind-numbingly, don't be depressed about this. You can look up at me. 
That's right. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. As a father, I have failed. Badly. And I know you have and you have. Everybody has. We bring our father's baggage to the table with us. The key is that each generation is supposed to get a little bit better. So dad, if you're doing better as a Christian than your dad, then guess what? You're on the right road. Now granted, some of us, the bar is set a little lower than others. Some of you had fine, fine Christian fathers. And some of us didn't. Irrespective. If your dad was a great Christian guy, then you're supposed to be a little bit better Christian than he is. We cannot let the evil one sneak into our families like this. And it does start with this mutual respect. And it starts really at the heart of things. Fathers, your primary job is not to whip your children into shape. Your primary job is not to break your children as if they're horses or donkeys. Your job is to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You cannot teach what you don't know. If you don't know German, you can't teach your kids to speak German. The best you can do is pay to have somebody teach them German. But you, dad, are supposed to know what they need to know in the Lord. You are to know the ways of the covenant. You have to know your stuff. The same way you would teach them to use tools. The same way you would teach them how to write a proper English sentence. Anything like that, nothing is more important because the command is here is to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We are not commanded to teach our children how to succeed in this filthy, ugly world. We want them to succeed. But would any Christian parent say, I want my kid to become president of the United States and then burn in hell? No, we wouldn't. The training and admonition of the Lord is so important, particularly in our day and age when the family is being destroyed. They are going to go out into the world. Their peers will not know anything about God. They need to be able to be different. And those of you who who are children, particularly those of you who are Teenagers here, you're supposed to be very, very, very different than your classmates. And dad, you're supposed to be very, very different from those you work with. Same for mom. We're supposed to be vastly different, qualitatively different. We're supposed to be better than them. The world tells us, you Christians think you're better than us. We have to live such lives that they're able to that they are able to say, you know what? They are better than us. They're better. They're more patient. They're more loving. They're more honest. They're more faithful to their vows. They're better fathers. They're better mothers. They have to be able to see the proof of the pudding. And the only way we can do that is to hold firmly to God's covenant. This is the essence of Deuteronomy 6. That's your homework. I want you to read the first 12 verses of Deuteronomy, just the first 12 verses of Deuteronomy 6 this afternoon. 
Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. You don't have to read it in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one God. And then it tells us what we're to teach our children. And what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be talking about the ways of the Lord when we sit, when we walk. When our, our homes have got to be saturated in the gospel. And they're not. That's the, the missing key. Our homes are saturated with the world. Parents, don't think for one moment that your kids can't see the inconsistencies in your life. They're on display. They're on the front row. Always being watched. But most of all, God is watching. And he gives us the promise That if we do things his way, that if we rear our children in the ways of the covenant, that he will be faithful to his promise. We break our promises. He never breaks his. He has promised. He has promised to take care of his children. And he has given us his children to take care of for 18 or 19 years. And those years go by awfully quickly. Those of you with very young children, believe you may ask anybody, you're going to blink and they're going to be 18. You think it's terrifying when they're five? Wait till they get behind the wheel of a car. (laughs) Then you'll really start to sweat. We can do this if we do it God's way. But children... If you obey your parents, you will find this miracle occurs. They will actually exasperate you less. Parents, if you are patient with your children and intentionally try not to put too much of a burden on them and exasperate them, you will be amazed that, oh, they actually are more obedient now. But the weight falls again on the father. Sorry. It's on us to set the tone. May God give us the grace to do so week in and week out. Oh, Lord, our God, please protect our families, bless our families, and keep our children safe. In Jesus' name, amen.